Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, Daniel D. with A Ghost in the Machine, the podcast. This is episode number 29. I'm talking about a culture of death versus a culture of life. It's uh, Sunday, November 26, 2023. Hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we had our, in America at least, uh, we had our really the, the like almost a religious holiday holy day you know our civic religion and of course i'm not talking about thanksgiving that maybe used to be true uh of thanksgiving but now it's black friday that is the day that we celebrate america's civic religion where you know the its avatar the consumer is you know celebrated and enshrined and you know given his own holiday holy day you know, Black Friday. It's like, we don't believe in an infallible God generally in America, but we do believe in an infallible consumer because the customer is always right. So it's like that's the closest thing to a God that you know is worshipped in the United States. It's basically it's like a mercantile religion. Uh, you know, just get people to buy a bunch of shit and get them in debt and uh, you know whatever overcharge them for a bunch of cheap crap imported from China and uh, that's what drives the economy it's basically it's, it's kind of like a, you know the way in other cultures you know indigenous cultures they would maybe sacrifice to a god uh, for a good harvest for example you know they'd make a sacrifice well here in America it's like we sacrifice to the market the god of the market the consumer you know, in the hopes that the consumer will bring us a good quarterly growth, you know, uh, so we don't get into a recession. They're always looking at the, what's the consumer going to do? We need to like, so it's like all these, you know, merchants, the, the priests of the American mercantile religion, uh, you know, the advertisers and marketers, they roll out all the deals, like trying to sweet talk the consumer, their God, into coming and blessing them, you know, so that, you know, those are like their sacrifices, all the Black Friday sales, all those cheap TVs, you know, sold at a steep discount, like to make the consumer happy so that he'll bless the American economy. Um, but yeah, so it was like what happened in America this past week. Don't worry, it does tie into the theme of this episode, A Culture of Death. Uh, I'll get there eventually. Um, first... Let's talk about uh, this past week. It was the 60th anniversary of the November coup. Uh, the CIA-backed assassination of a popular political leader of a nation. And uh, the overthrow of that nation's uh, government. And the installation of a new chief executive who would you know, basically be a puppet of the CIA and uh, the military industrial complex and the banksters and all that and allow them to uh, turn that that country into an economic zone. You know, I'm talking about, of course, the CIA-backed assassination of and uh, coup ending the presidential administration of JFK and installing LBJ to oversee, you know, that stage of the Cultural Revolution that happened in America in the 1960s. Uh, anyway, there we celebrated or observed that this past week, 60 years since then. And, you know, obviously, 
uh, again, I'm going to tie this back into the culture of death uh, in a minute. But, you know, it's like you see how for them to even pull that off on that day, uh, things were pretty far gone. It's just we didn't realize it. You know, we were naive as a country. Of course, I wasn't even alive yet, but, you know, just speaking as an American, uh, you know, it's like the end of innocence, so to speak. It's like before that, before Kennedy's assassination, you know, you can believe the narrative. Of, and a lot of people still continue to, you know, long after that, um, you know, the World War Two being the good war, we were on the side of right and, you know, we defeated the Nazis and the evil Axis powers, the Empire of Japan and all that. We, you know, spread freedom and, you know, all that throughout the world. Like that whole narrative, you know, that you could you can believe it is kind of a continuation of, it's interesting, I, I'm going to do a deeper dive on this at some point, the iterations of the American, you know, empire or the America as a civilization, you know, um, because there's been different distinct stages. You could almost argue there's a separate nation, um, you know, um, but definitely with the Kennedy assassination, it was just like the mask kind of came off for a minute, you know, and I think because people, you know, it's like learning, uh, or, or seeing some reason to believe that the woman that you're in a relationship with has cheated on you or might be unfaithful. It's like, there are guys who overlook that, right? Cause it's like, you don't want to believe that you up to that point, you believed you were in love. You believed it was a real relationship. It, was, it had a future. And then you find out something or you hear something or whatever. And there's something that raises a red flag, or if it's, it could be a woman the other way around, you, know, you see something wrong with the man that you're in love with. And you're, you know, convinced that this relationship is really going to work out. Uh, and you see some red flag and it, you kind of it, grapple with it maybe. And then you push it down, push it aside. You know, you just, you rationalize it away because you don't want to believe that this whole thing is a lie. And it's like, that's basically what happened with America when Kennedy was assassinated. It was like this moment of, Oh shit, what the hell? Like we're living in a banana Republic, you know, where the CIA, we, we have a, uh, a spook state, you know, that, Anyway, uh, of course, the church commission, you know, supposedly reformed it. I guess somehow they reformed it without uh, revealing all the CIA's secrets. I mean, only some of them. And, um, you know, somehow we're right back to wherever we were supposed to be, you know, with the church commission, you know, re reforming the CIA. Uh, anyway, living in a spook state to this day. You could really say this is the era of America is just a spook state, essentially. It's like they could take out Kennedy and install LBJ and get away with it. And still to this day have not released the documents. You know, I know we're never going to get the entire truth because, you know, most of the people involved are dead. And so they're still withholding the information, the classified documents that haven't been released, even though they're supposed to be released. They're still withholding them. Not to protect the guilty individuals, because those people are dead, but to protect the system that's in place, because it's still the same system that's, you know, the institutions, the CIA itself, the FBI, all these, you know, all these agencies and institutions and uh, the system itself that was implicated in that assassination, you know, we're still there, right? Uh, 
So anyway, there's that. Culture of death. That ties into it. Um, did I mention Ireland revolting against uh, the mass immigration? I think I did. You know, basically it's like the Algerian that was glorifying God by Allah Akbar. I mean, glorify God by stabbing to death a bunch of children, you know, and a, and a woman randomly just for no reason other than to glorify God by, you know, you know, taking the, the country that gave me sanctuary when I was supposedly a refugee and needed a place to go and they took me in and I'm now going to glorify God by betraying them and stabbing their children to death and I don't know what kind of religion of peace this is that these Muslims claim to have, but uh, it doesn't seem very convincing. And the Irish were like, no, we don't want any part of this. You guys need to close the border. You, you know. So the Irish authorities, of course, you know, in, in response to the riots, yes, there were riots. And I feel like they were justified in light of the situation that you have a hostile occupation government that is... Uh, overseeing the ruin and replacement of its own citizens, you know? Yeah, you know, anyway. Um, but what's interesting is the, the response, the, the, the elected leaders, you know, you have this uh, crime has been going up associated with these migrants from this supposedly peaceful religion. Um, and, you know, the, one of these... Uh, ambassadors of peace from the Prophet Muhammad. Um, you know, he's stabbing a bunch of kids, right? So it's like this outrage and the government's response is you guys need to stop talking about it. We're going to we're going to come out with a new hate speech bill. We're going to criminalize speech, you know, keep you guys from talking. If we just stop you guys from talking about the problem, then the problem won't really be there. We won't have to deal with it. See, you guys are the problem because you keep reminding us that there is a problem. If you guys want to talk about it, you know, it's like if a tree falls in the forest, nobody's there to hear it. Well, similarly, if a stabbing occurs in a city, you know, because of mass immigration, because of our policies, if a stabbing occurs and a bunch of children die, but nobody tweets about it, nobody speaks out about it, nobody protests about it, well, eh, it didn't really happen, so we don't have to deal with it. Um, so anyway, culture of death. You know, um, and I, I say I bring those things up just because, oh, when they happened this past week, so they're kind of fresh in the memory. But also, they kind of highlight what I was going to say. And this is the Apostle Paul in the Book of Romans, particularly. He talks about the law of sin and death versus the law of the spirit, the law of God, the law of life. You know, and, and so he kind of contrasts these two things. Like on the one hand, the spirit of death sin and death it's like you know the separation from god um, a lack of life and a kind of a to use a term uh from laura knight jancic uh service to self you know where it's like there's nothing beyond or above the self that you are serving that you are seeking you know no higher good you're not um not you're not regarding others you know not even family or close friends. I mean, it's, it's just, it's about you. Chief, first and foremost, you are the God of your little world. And it's like, you know, um, you know, there's that separated from anything higher, any higher purpose, any higher attachments, any higher longings, any higher goals or aspirations or anything. Just a pure, you know, glorify yourself with like, you know, 
whatever prestige, whatever, you know, pleasures and all that. Uh, so you have that. And then you have the law of the spirit, uh, which he, he used language about the body of Christ, you know, like, uh, you know, this connection to, um, a connection to others in a meaningful way, in a way that is, you know, coherent with a higher principle, uh, a higher mind, even a higher will, um, you know, and using the analogy of the body, it's like people are, everybody's different, but everybody has a role to play and they're brought into harmony with the head, which is Christ. Um, so contrast that with, you know, and, and here is, I'm using the term probably a little differently, but I think it kind of sheds light on a similar dynamic. Um, when you think about the law, the law, what that would mean in the sense that Paul might be using the, the term of the law, it's like uh, almost kind of like a, a, a ordering principle, a, uh, a pattern that governs, that uh, you know establishes an order of how things are, are done and how things relate to each other. Uh, and you can think about this with the way a, f a vessel might fly the flag of a nation, even though, you know, it's, it's in waters that are across the world from where that nation is located. So you have an American ship that flies an American flag, even though it's, you know, in international waters on the other side of the world, or maybe a military base, you know, we have lots of those in like what, two thirds of the world's country somehow. Uh, anyway, on an American military base uh you know they fly the flag it would operate th things would operate under the culture customs and laws of the united states of america uh even though it's outside of the territory of the united states yet it's under the laws and jurisdiction of the sovereignty of the united states um or or a, a colony you know since that's such an evil thing to have now uh colonizing even though lots of cultures did it uh certainly uh, other other people groups talk about the great empires that they had they, they were kings and queens but somehow they didn't colonize anybody you know i don't know how that's supposed to work but anyway but yeah if you have a colony that's basically what you're doing it's like the the law of the nation is now extended to the colony you know you, you show up you take a some land and you fly your flag over it and you're like you know this is under our sovereignty now you know this is operates according to the culture customs rules laws of the mother nation right the, the sovereign of the mother nation right so um so anyway you have a thing with the the law of sin and death and then here in the in the context of spiritually the world being enemy occupied territory so to speak um in revolt against the true god and there's this opportunity to almost be under the umbrella of the protection of god the real god god's realm you know to extend that into our world um, you know, and think about what the law of, uh, or the pattern of, you know, use that term instead, the pattern of life versus the pattern of death. And, you know, you got a, a 
anything, whether it's a plant or animal or whatever. It's like it grows for a period of time. It manifests according to you know a particular pattern of life for whatever type of organism it is. You know, it reaches its kind of prime, and then it reaches at some point of uh, point of senescence and decay and ultimately death. Right, and there's a point where you know, especially if it gets if the organism gets ill. Uh, or it's just of old enough age and it's in terminal decline. It's like where all the processes, rather than being virtuous, leading in virtuous cycles for greater growth, greater strength and health and all that, leads in the opposite direction of decay and dissolution and you know loss of function and uh, all that. And so anyway, using that metaphor in our world however it came about and this is kind of the deeper issue is that there is a law of sin and death working where the ordering principle governing principle the logos if you will of the world systems is one of domination control you know manipulation basically uh you know the mind of a psychopath you know um the complete opposite of like whatever you would define love in the sense of like agape Christian love like uh, willing the good of which could even mean tough love or discipline you know it's a complete opposite of that like rather than desiring the other to be it the best that he she it can be you know to thrive to you know succeed in the way that is best for it in light of the whole um you know the uh, you know, rather than seeking the good of things it's like seeking their demise just for the sake of destroying just for the sake of causing suffering and just having the power to inflict pain on people and manipulate them and lie to them and, and see them believe your lies and fight among themselves like that's the spirit behind you know the world system behind the system that established itself more firmly in control of America uh, with the Kennedy assassination, for example, or with the you know endless wars that we've had recently with 9-11 uh, and the PSYOPs that came after that. Um, you know, it's... It's basically... There is something spiritual in the air. And so, so anyway, one of the reasons why I thought of this is uh, I saw several tweets from different people um mike cernovich mike shelby uh a couple other people that they kind of saying a similar thing of uh, you know there seems to be something in the air something you know something's up and i kind of alluded to this a little bit in the post that i did or the podcast i did about the the ship has hit the iceberg you know just this sense if you will that you know things are things are not right things maybe even a bit of foreshadowing like you know the some big dramatic and uh, break is going to come in the plot of our you know societies our species even of our narrative you know the, the, there's an inflection point being reached uh, this guy Mike Yardley, we, his was one of the tweets that I saw. And he said, "A friend noted today, there's some great force coming at us now, but I can't quite work out precisely what it is. It's something new, something not good for humanity. 
And then he says, I think many of us feel this. It's hard to articulate, but there is a sense of something massive heading our way. And uh, one of the people who responded was Clay Martin, who was like, yeah, that's exactly what I was channeling when I wrote this. And he put a link to his book, Wrath and Wendigo, under it. A freight train with no brakes. And I think there is that sense, you know. I mean, I see people discussing things like this on Twitter. I've had conversations. I don't know other people have had conversations like this, too, uh, where you just feel like, okay, there's something is up something's in the air you know whatever that phil collins song i can feel it coming in the air tonight oh lord you know they're like there's this feeling that there is something's coming you know maybe people had this before the kennedy assassination i mean i know there was a manchurian candidate uh that movie released in 1962 starring frank sinatra uh in which a uh a, a communist double agent actually it's more true of today's president um you know kind of uh, is uh you know kind of convoluted so i won't try to recreate the plot here but basically you have a candidate who is uh his family's compromised by the chinese the communist uh chinese uh well boy that, that sure is relevant today and Anyway, he's, uh, his son, in, or stepson, is this war hero guy who's, uh, you know, uh, but he's, there's this whole backstory about what really happened, and it turns out it was like this elaborate operation um, to create this sort of stealth agent, you know, for the Chinese communists to use to control America. Well, the Soviets, too, at that time. And uh, anyway, it involved an assassination um, of the president, or the, yeah, or at least the presidential candidate. Uh, but anyway, quite interesting. Of course, uh, after the JFK assassination, that movie was kind of uh, shelved for a while and buried. And, uh, you know, it's kind of eerie in light of what came just months later. So maybe there was some foreboding there. Maybe we live in a holographic universe. Uh, I know prior to 9-11, it's kind of interesting, the number of movies that came out in the late 90s and very early 2000s, but that spoke to, yeah, something like a simulation theory uh, or a simulation hypothesis, the Matrix being the most famous one, but but just some idea that yeah, so there's something not quite right about this realm, like it's a realm of deceptions, and you know you're in this whatever Plato's cave, so to speak. You know there was of course uh, besides the Matrix, there was Dark City, there was Thirteenth Floor, there was the Truman Show. Um, you know these movies that kind of dealt with these themes, similar themes, and it was just kind of interesting. They all kind of there was a, a, a spate of in just a few years of like great movies. Uh, on this theme and then it's like you know the 9-11 happens and it feels like that was the next you know so whatever happened on November 22nd 1963 it's like 9-11 2001 that was like probably the next moment really I mean there was obviously stuff that happened before that that kind of accelerated the plot so to speak but you could really tie in the shadowy cabal of the, the, the spook state that was manifested with the Kennedy assassination and the, you know, installation of LBJ and then the cover up with the Warren Commission and all that. Uh, 
you could tie that pretty directly. You see the threads running straight through to 9-11 and the Forever Wars and, you know, the color revolutions that we've sponsored abroad and, you know, and then today, uh, a lot of those chickens coming home to roost in kind of a big way. It feels like we're reaching another inflection point, kind of like that. And so, anyway, the thing is, if we live in this world where there's this culture of sin and death, separation, you know, psychopathy almost. It's like, how do we counteract that? And I don't think we can individually, um, you know, because this is one of those things, it's like operating at a higher level than what we are, at least as we interact in this realm, on this level. It's like, you know, this stuff is happening at a, at a level of abstraction above us, so to speak. You know, you can almost liken it to um, a climate versus the weather like where the weather is short term and it may be more localized climates more general patterns over time uh, and it's kind of like you know just as you may be a great farmer and do all the things right but if you if you plant out of season or harvest out of season it's not going to go well for you right like if you try to you know sow your crops is that the right yeah get them mixed up sometimes you try to sow your crops say like you know before the winter ends right you might wind up with a dead crop because you know they they start to sprout before winter's done there's a big frost that comes through and wipes it all out and you know you lose you know a lot of crop that way or you wait too long to harvest it you know there's already a, a frost that kills you know the fruit on the vine or whatever right there's this kind of idea like you do it in season um and similarly with with this it's like we're in this culture where it seems like winter is approaching you know or winter has been approaching for a long time you know it's like or we're in winter even you know this uh and so it's like whatever you're trying to plant it's going to be tougher than it would normally be if you were planting in a more hospitable climate you know um so anyway so it's like what what do you do and I think anyway it's kind of an open question because uh, I'm not going to pretend to have the answers and I do think you know certain rules of thumb and I think I mentioned this before but you know just one being the the uh, passage from John 10, 10 where Jesus talks about the thief comes only to steal to kill and to destroy but I've come that you want to have life have it more abundantly so kind of like that rule of thumb does this lead to more abundant life or does this lead to, you know, to, to the life that I have, the good that I have being stolen, killed, destroyed, you know, metaphorically even. It's like, that's one truth being another, truth versus deception. Because that seems to be a big thing with like our, our current regime. They're very big into manipulation and lying and, you know, using illegitimate guilt trips to get people to do things, uh, suppressing narratives that they don't like promoting narratives that they do like and those narratives don't always match on to the truth of things or they misrepresent things or they you know whatever so it's like that's another thing it's like uh, a rule of thumb to distinguish between what's of the real god what's of good what will lead in a virtuous cycle of maximizing i guess the life that's available to us in the here and now uh you know, that would be truth as opposed to lies um, and deception. Uh, but I think that there's one, one more thing, which is uh, having a goal 
And that's really important because, you know, again, talking about like life of, uh, or the law of the spirit of life versus the law of sin and death. It's like you compare those cycles. Life as it's increasing, as, as the organism is growing and reaching its maturity, you know, its peak of strength or, or its growth. You know, then the, the, when that cycle starts happening the other way, old age, injury, illness, you know, where life slows down, processes start breaking down, things start dying off, you know, not being repaired. Um, anyway, having a goal seems to be a big part of that because it's like you're focused on growth, on conquering or overcoming difficulties and obstacles and, and, and in many ways that includes within it keeps you by engaging something that's testing you from without it's like you're having to clean your own house so to speak and, and strengthen and improve uh, to rise to the occasion right so it's like there's another tweet uh, which twitter is good for a lot of uh, a lot of good things nowadays like being able to learn the truth about what's happening in Ireland with these uh, protests and riots, which, again, hey, we just learned all throughout 2020 how that's the voice of the unheard, right? You know, how all these indefensive looting, which as far as I know, like the Irish, they weren't looting. Now, there were some immigrants who took advantage of the opportunity to go and loot. Uh, anyway, whole different subject, sorry, got off topic there. Um, but having a goal, that's what, that's one of the things Twitter's good for, in addition to finding out the truth about the Irish, to getting good life tips from people. So Lafayette Lee had this, which I thought was really great. It was a tweet, tweet, which I'll link to in the show notes. Some advice for the younger fellas. You need to know that most men will stumble around aimlessly for a few decades, snatching up opportunities as they drift by and manage just fine. But at some point, they look back and realize they missed out on something big or wonder what could have been. If they're thoughtful, they'll notice that they never had any goals and now a number of doors are closed forever. It's a bitter pill. You need goals and one of them should be something you'd be embarrassed to admit. The kind of dream that a younger you would have boldly proclaimed to his fifth grade class. You need to write that one down and feature it prominently. Somewhere you'll be able to see it each and every day. And after you've admitted it to yourself, you need to tell someone else, preferably a close friend, mentor, or spouse, someone you can seek counsel from. And from then on, you should always consult that goal when making major decisions. Will such and such decision or opportunity take me closer or further away from my goal? What skills or relationships do I need to cultivate to achieve it? What other people, past and present, achieve my goal? How do they get there? And so on. It may sound simple, too simple, but most men never do it. They'll just drift along hoping lightning strikes and destiny falls right into their lap. Yes, it's very simple and there's a hell of a grind to follow, but it's the first and crucial step. You can't grab hold of your dreams without it. Find those coordinates, shoot your azimuth, and then step off. Then he adds in a uh, reply tweet, It's easy to lose sight of your goals when you marry and have children and begin supporting a family. Schedule some time each week, I prefer Sundays, and review and recommit to your goal. And don't forget that big, embarrassing one. Keep it at the forefront of your mind. And inside, there was a comment underneath from a please like and subscribe. It really helps us out. He says, One other thing is that looking back, the dreams and goals I had as a young man were stupid and would not have made me happier because I didn't know myself when I had them. 
Lafayette at least has good points. So anyway, there's some good. Seems like some good advice. And I know Scott Adams has the thing about systems, not goals. You know where you try to optimize instead of aiming at a particular point, which is all or nothing. Either you reach it or you don't. Systems, it's like, well, how can I improve my odds of success? How can I become stronger, healthier, or have more energy? And I get the logic of that. But one of the things that Lafayette Lee, with the talking about goals, is and especially a big kind of crazy goal that is it orients your perspective on something higher or better for, for yourself so you know basically to compare you know not only where you're at but who you are and what it will take for you to get to your goal like it stretches you know and i guess on a national level maybe that's what kennedy did with the commitment to go to the moon by the end of this decade you know it's like you have this goal, kind of audacious, kind of crazy, but force you to stretch and, you know, you get there. Uh, of course, it's assuming we actually went to the moon. I think we did, but, hey, could be wrong on that. A lot of uh, other things turned out to be uh, not conspiracy theory, but conspiracy fact after all. So, who knows? Maybe that did too, but at least I think we went to the moon. And I think it was that goal was good for the country at that time. But yeah, you know, having some kind of goal like that, you know, is one way to, you know, and of course it's like, it's all of a piece too. I mean, obviously you can't really articulate a complete moral philosophy for how to live life well, you know, without it being ridiculously huge. Cause you can't cover every instance. Like you got to develop a kind of judgment about these things and what counts as being good what does not but you know i mean another thing too with the idea of god and surrender and, and surrender to the sovereignty of a consciousness of will higher than my own you know however you understand that whatever you understand that to me and i think that is something that is crucially needed as well and then of course there are people that are under that law of life you know, life is spirit. I mean, here you think about people that you know that they're what you would call a good person. Good to be around. They elevate and improve the people around them. I mean, just by being around them, you feel inspired to be better than you are. Uh, you know, there are people like that and they have households where, you know, they're great neighbors. You spend time around them and you've, it, 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 again, you feel better, not just in a short-term ephemeral, like pleasurable way, like they're, you know, fun because they're funny or they're just, you know, you had a good time, but it's more like they're uh, a higher quality of person and something about their aura rubs off on you. You can't help but have a better attitude yourself, be a better version of yourself, you know, when you're around them, right? So it's like, you know, people like that, it's kind of like how it's exemplified in their lives, you know? That's the goal. Because at the end of the day, this whole thing could come apart at any time. Or it could last for another, you know, however long this world has lasted. Billions of years? I don't know. You know, who who knows? Maybe maybe we're caught in a time loop and, you know, we'll get another com a bombardment of comets and we'll be like Atlantis, you know. Just a legend that some future generation, future civilization tells. Is it true? Was there such a place as mythical America? You know, I don't know. I mean, or, or maybe this is it. Maybe time's about to wrap up 
you know, in this life, this realm. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, who knows? It's just things seem a lot crazier and kind of escalating to a point. And Mark Bisson, uh writes, The Cat Was Never Found, has articulated this as like, you know, the artist as opposed to the, the way you would uh, empirically investigate something as a scientist. I mean, with the artist, there's like a, an intuitive way of knowing. And of course, sometimes it can be wrong. Sometimes it can be right, but interpreted wrong, including interpreted wrong by the person who had the artistic vision or whatever. But on, on that kind of level, there does seem to be some kind of sense that people have that I share that I feel like, you know, th things are different. There's something, you know, we're not going back to where we were. There's something new that's coming. Who knows exactly what it means or what it will look like. But, you know, we live in, in crazy times. So it's like, what is this all about at the end of the day? You know, at this point, as I mentioned before, and I don't think anybody who's more than 10 years away from retirement is really looking around and thinking, oh, yeah, the retirement plan is solid like it's definitely going to be there your pension or your 401k or your what your investment portfolio or whatever your plan is you know i don't think you can look around at the world today and, and and really think you know that it's it's at all a sure thing like people really have for a few generations now in america you know uh, kind of taken for granted that certain systems or institutions or whatnot would be there and it's like now there's really who knows what the future holds, you know, um, personally or civilizationally or whatever. It's like the, the big scale, the small scale, it's all kind of coming to a point where, you know, so then you say, well, what is the world really about? What is this experience of life about? And this a whole other can of worms that we could spend a lot of time talking about. But I think at this point, it's like whether you have a year or whether you have 30 years or, you know, whether things continue as they have for, there's just this slow gradual decline or whether there's some dramatic event that sets things off in a whole new direction or whatever it is that happens or doesn't happen at the end of the day it's like uh do you want to be under the law of sin and death or the law of the spirit of life you know and whatever that means um i think again the words that paul was using it, it does conjure up you know a particular image of you know again imagine the embassy or the colony or the military base or whatever that's flying the flag of its home country where you know even though this is outside the territory of that country it's like it's operating under the realm under the jurisdiction of the laws all that the currency of the home nation and so it's like if this world is kind of like an outpost you know where it's for whatever reason there's been some kind of separation between the real God or the highest good and human beings, this, this realm, right? And you look at the psychopathy and how psychopathy is rewarded and allowed to flourish, you know, in our world, it's, you know, hard to believe that, or it's not so hard to believe that this is enemy occupied territory from us, you know, an, an enemy spiritually, enemy of the real God, an enemy of us. So if that's the case, you know, and there's a possibility that there is a way to operate under the flag of, you know, the real God's nation, the real God's, you know, spiritual laws. Well, it's going to be better. So 
It's just something to focus on being aware of. I won't even say necessarily, you know, again, kind of the general principles I outlined earlier, but it's like just becoming aware of it. And that includes influences. Like I got to know this one of the things sometimes doom scrolling. Uh, yeah, yeah, catch myself and say, yeah, things are crazy. And there's this sense like, oh, I want to figure out like what's going to happen. You know, see what's going on in the world because I'm trying to make sense of it. You know, I'm trying to observe to get my OODA loop going. You know, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we can't really know all of those things. Things will, so much is outside of our, certainly our control, our ability to understand, let alone to control or shape, you know, these things. We're kind of in reactive mode in many ways if we're focused on, which I'm talking to myself here, you know, if I'm scrolling through Twitter, looking at all the crazy stuff that's going on in the world. It's like I'm in reactive mode, reacting to that, not thinking about, again, Lafayette Lee's. Well, there you go, on Twitter. So you can sometimes find good stuff there too. Goals, aspirations, a higher way of thinking and, and being and living, you know, according to the law, life. Abundant life. So, anyway. I don't know. Hopefully some of that makes sense. Uh, just being aware that we are in a culture of death and being intentional about trying to you know cultivate an appreciation of uh, life and you know living it more fully more well and abundantly all right this is daniel d with the ghost of the machine the podcast episode 29 a culture of death dun, dun, dun. this is sunday november 26 2023 till next time peace out